Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am speaking with Alison Sirur today, and she is someone that I met a few years ago at Bhakti Fest. Um, she had contacted me about using a song in one of her uh, meditations that she was working on. And um, then we connected at a Bhakti Fest and she brought me uh, a prayer book that I still to this day have. I don't hold on to a lot of stuff, so it must be it must be special. I'm going to just read her bio so that you get a little taste of what Allison does and then we'll get into it. So Allison is a teacher at the Kabbalah Center, sharing its wisdom through retreats, classes, workshops, meditations and healing circles. She enjoys guiding others to the voice of their soul as a conduit to take responsibility for their lives, overcome challenges and reveal more light. She lives with her husband and children in Safed, Israel. Hope I pronounced that right. Maybe you can correct me later. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into this. One of the things that, um, so she is in Israel. I'm so glad we got to connect uh, with the time difference. We figured it out. So here we go. Hi. Hello. Did I pronounce your city right? How do you pronounce the, that? The city is pronounced so many different ways. Okay. It's not you. It's okay. like anything goes. Spot, Safed, anything. <laughs> no one knows. It's like telephone numbers. In There's England. even signs in the city that are spelled different ways. Oh, no way. Why is yeah, that? There's a huge, I love spots, but it's spelled like I would never spell it. So huh. it's. I think it's just the Hebrew English translation gets lost somewhere. The transliteration. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. that's funny. Okay. So funny. does that, does that make people who live there sort of like mentally flexible in their reading? Um, no, everyone that's Israeli and Hebrew speaking Hebrew says spot. Okay. Like no question, but other people, it's a very, it's a, it's a very sacred town that I live in. And um, it's a, I mean, the main attraction of this town is tourism. And the main attraction of the tourism is this idea of Kabbalah and mm. the, the ancient form of Jewish mysticism that um, that's why people come. So they're mostly tourists. <laughs> is that how you ended up there? Um. I ended up there because it, in two years ago during COVID, it kind of um, was like we had, we always knew we wanted to move to Israel. My husband's Israeli. And we just had this time during COVID when we were home, it was a lot of paperwork, a lot of like technical, you know, stuff to just pick up a family of six and move. And, um, and we kind of realized we could be doing what we were doing from anywhere in the world. And it was like to live here is is it is beyond something I would even dream about that type. It was like such a unknown dream that I didn't even know it like hmm. that type of experience. But yes, oh, it does have to do with Kabbalah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So do you speak Hebrew? Is that something you I'm working on it? I, okay. I grew up like not in that environment of Israelis um, and then I married an Israeli and I had like as they as I moved here, they offered to the new immigrants the um the opportunity to take Hebrew classes. So for a few hours oh. a day, you really immerse yourself in Hebrew. 
like for free is a welcome to our country free. and the um even the government takes care of like all of our tickets to move here and gives us like living allowance for about a year and still supports the kids um oh. we even got like free laptops so that our kids could do zoom um like they're like how many kids do you have like, is that a function track. oh sorry it, it's a social country so the like it it really revolves around it's it's I don't know if you've ever lived in a social country before but do you mean much socialist or social as in like it's very oh, as the um the system is no it's not social like it it's the way that the like the the healthcare is for free and mm -hmm. um, it's you know it's all done in this way that it's supporting the 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 citizens that live mm -hmm. here you know it's like i mean i guess in other ways you don't pay for healthcare but food is more expensive but oh. um maybe it balances out a little bit but it's much more, it's a it's really fascinating to live here and to change from being in america to being in a you know in such a, a such a supported country wow. it's amazing so, but is that a function of you just moving there? Do they do that for any immigrant or is that because your husband is Israeli? Yeah, like they do it for any, um, any immigrant. They have certain criterias. Um, you know, it's like they're, they're, they're inviting. It's, it, Israel is created as like a Mecca for a, a certain religious group, that, you know, that they have to kind of prove that they're part of Judaism. But it could oh, be wow. like, grandparents great-grandparents great-great-grandparents on either side gotcha. and then they give that they literally send tickets and support that's crazy so i qualify i could move to israel <laughs> move to israel who knew <laughs> and it's amazing it's like um you know there there's playgrounds on every corner it's like so child friendly Aww. the um the banks close from one to four in the afternoon here so okay. like if a parent is a bank is is a banker they can like go pick up their kids teachers have oh. two days off a week and oh. usually they work about a half day at least where i live that yeah. i mean two days so like not including weekend you mean like four days off a week no, it's no, the, the, it goes Sunday through Friday here. Oh, okay. okay. Saturday is off. Okay. And gotcha. the, um, what's really fascinating is that like my daughter's nursery school teacher, she works from like seven 30 or eight in the morning and she leaves it two. some leave at one and then another like crew kind of comes in for three more hours and take care of the children. Um, and then they have one day off a week besides that. Like, it's like, not like we think about in America or other, you know, where teachers are like exhausted and overwhelmed <laughs> right, and working right, like right. they're, they're, these teachers can be mothers and they can yeah. have, you know, a, a life. I don't know if their pay is so great, but <laughs> they get one, one day off a week and then another day off every other week. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Sunday yeah. through through Monday or Sunday through Friday. That's really interesting. So Sunday many, Friday, so many my, things I didn't know. My boys, my boys' teachers, they um, the the like the woman teacher. She starts at eleven and she goes until like three thirty every day, oh, and wow. again gets a day off and another day, like two days off a week. Wow. It's really. 
Wow, yeah. that's really cool. Wow. And so do your kids speak Hebrew? Yes, they speak Hebrew. Oh, okay. A little bit strange having my kids speak a language that I'm like only halfway understanding, which is one of my motivations. But um, right. I like in my head, we were moving here and I was going to uh, do all of their Hebrew homework with them. We were only going to speak Hebrew at home. And then everyone <laughs> said, don't do that. Keep uh -huh. their English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their English. Yeah. yeah. They're going to yeah. need it. Especially the little one. She was two when we moved. So she could really lose right, English. Right. right. Yeah. 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 My, my, so my parents were sort of not familiar with the language that I grew up speaking because um, they're, because I grew up in France. And so they, oh, wow. my, my dad like took high school French and my mom like basically moved there knowing, you know, like a few words. So I can, I can relate to that to that well to like the other side of that yes to the other side yeah. <laughs> to keeping stuff from your parents <laughs> I remember it more as like like because the French are so critical I don't know how how the Israelis are for you but like they my love mom would to speak English they make it really oh, hard for okay. me to practice okay okay <laughs> yeah no the French were just like anytime my mom would make any kind of mistake there was this like yeah super critical yeah just just very so it my was like dad, kind of embarrassing totally my dad grew up and but I grew up with a father that worked in France so really? two weeks <laughs> out of the year two weeks out of every month he would be in France and we just thought it was so strange that he wasn't like picking it up he wasn't picking up this language very well <laughs> that's and I didn't realize we had that connection why yeah. why was he why was he working in France he, he worked for a European company and oh, yeah, two weeks out of every, so half every the month. month, half the year. Half the month. Yeah. That, I mean, that's sort of how my dad did it. He, but the opposite, he wanted to live in France, but he worked in the United States. <laughs> anyway. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So you, but he didn't want to live in France. He wanted to just commute. Yeah, because it, the company, he had offices in America and offices in France, mm. in, in Paris. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, interesting. But it was like his, um, I think it was like his fuel. Like, I, I couldn't imagine living like that, but it was, you know, he was like, it was Maybe. like life. It always was life for him to travel like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. really like you saying it like that is like, wow. I mean, I couldn't really imagine that. <laughs> I know. Well, I just remember my dad would get back and it'd be like, when are you leaving again? <laughs> was it kind of like that? Yeah. <laughs> so how long are you here for? But I guess if it were like an actual, it was never like a set amount of time. It was sort of like, I think I'm going to go in six weeks and maybe I'll be gone for four weeks and, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know, maybe it would have been better if it had been on the schedule. Yeah. With no FaceTime. No, no faxes. Did you do faxes? <laughs> <laughs> no email. Nothing. No, no email. No. I remember like waking up and my mom would like, you know, there'd be these like scrolls of paper. And my dad would say like, hey, good morning. I'm, you know. <laughs> it's so funny. I even think like email is getting a little bit old. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
forget about faxes like I, emails all now we're on just whatsapp instagram i know i know then i i feel like something has to give though because someone has to invent something where it like all funnels to one place i mean it's like yeah. was i talking to you on signal whatsapp instagram facebook <laughs> message i don't know where you are yeah I, it's it's too many things i think yeah. yeah so you you are in the kabbalah i mean would you say this is like the kabbalah center of the world is kabbalah that too the, much no it is yeah it is kabbalah center of the world and, and is oh go ahead no is it is it like because i mean kabbalah isn't exactly like judaism is my understanding right so is this sort of like a like uh, as accepted as you know orthodox judaism is it like how is it viewed in terms of the the culture there is it well i was a little bit surprised moving here because i realized that what um like kind of like the practical part of Kabbalah, at least that what the Kabbalah Center teaches and shares um, to I mean millions of people around the world on Kabbalah.com um, and in and in Kabbalah centers and physical locations is far more practical than anything going on in the city of Spot. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's a very old you know I asked my friends from LA what do you think it's going to be like like living moving to spot she said I think it's going to be kind of like living in Arkansas <laughs> like, like I don't mean I don't want to offend someone living in Arkansas but like really um yeah. you know much like here we don't get like there's no Amazon that comes to your door there's no Amazon Prime you have to um like somehow get a message if a package is delivered that it might be like in some store on the, you know, on the high street, on the main street. Like it's very, very, very dated. It's like cobblestone. All the stairs are broken. I feel like um, Arkansas there's... might be more connected than that. Yeah, right? this is like, this is like, <laughs> like, yeah, this is like being in, when I, I was in Siena one summer actually singing and it was a little bit like that in Siena. Mm. Sienna in Italy. Italy. Yeah. I've never, never been to Sienna, Italy. But anywhere it's in a, Italy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. It's yeah. that that old school. Wow. Um, but it's beautiful and the energy is amazing. It's like but, really a dream to live here. But so how does what do you mean by like the teachings that you were sharing were practical and then like it's totally, totally different? Because I have kind of no concept of what the Kabbalah teachings are. So for somebody who's so just kind of learning. The, um, the, the teachings of Kabbalah, uh, you know, have, the, have always been hidden in a way of um, keeping the, keeping like the, the sacred out of the hands of, control like leaders in control if that makes sense this is like thousands of years ago that they had to be concealed um especially during the times when there was like a lot of 
a lot of uh, like, I don't know if you've heard of the time of like the fall of the temple or like when Jerusalem was like filled with war, all of this like history. So um, at that time, there was a lot of secrets that were uh, like, what, I'll, I'll back up and just say like, from the time I was young, I was reading books that were about more like mysticism. I was always interested in that world of whether it was like astrology or tarot cards uh, or past lives, um, some maybe some sort of like soul healing. And this was like, I think like probably in the late 80s, the early 90s. And every time I read one of these books, I would see the word Kabbalah and it would be written with like a K or a C or a Q or two Bs or no H. And like, I just felt like I, I just... <laughs> Like intuitively, I had this um, strong intuition that my life was going to have something to do with Kabbalah every time I saw this word. And I would like look in the library and try to hunt down something that could practically guide me as, as to what this was. And it was, it was, there was nothing, nothing like maybe some old dusty book in another language that had like no meaning in, in a way of like practical living. That's what I mean. So um, then when I was in my late, and then, you know, life happened, I still would read those books. I never was able to really find what Kabbalah was. There was no internet at this time. You couldn't just like Google search something. I remember. And then I had a very interesting situation happen that my mom, um, said something nice to me one time about a family member that she hadn't um, spoken to in like over 10 years. I was like so shocked by this turnaround because they had a, uh, a, you know, didn't talk for years. Mm -hmm. And I kind of connected with the dots at the same time. She told me that she was like kind of exploring different spiritualities and she had started to take a, a class at the Kabbalah Center in where we were living. I was in Miami. She was in Boca in Florida. And I could see like just such a, such a shift in her, um, I mean, in, in her, the way that she was grasping this situation in her life that had been kind of tormenting her. And she, she, I could see that she was realizing that the only person that she was hurting by holding on to this anger was herself. Mm. And to to see kind of observe my mom go through this, you know, change or transformation was really motivating for me. And I started to explore what class she was taking. And it turned out she was taking a Kabbalah class. Mm. And that, um, so that's kind of how I, I saw like my mom's life kind of transform in front of my eyes. And it, I was so, I mean, it wasn't even something that I learned, but immediately when I started to um, come with her to the Kabbalah Center in Florida, she, um, I, I really felt, felt something very special, like a soul connection, mm. I would say. And so that was 20, that was in like 99. So it's 23 years ago. Is that right? Oh, that was a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so it's, it was very practical. It wasn't something that, you know, that she was learning that was about like the formation of like the way the light comes into the world or something like very esoteric. Oh, okay. 
that's what I mean. It was like very, very um, how to like take a challenge in my life and make it better or how to use like different days of the week uh, or the month or the year as power days. You know, it was, I don't know if that makes sense, but it was much more on like a daily practical wisdom. Okay. So when you move there, you're seeing that people aren't necessarily applying these practices in their lives. It's just kind of what the tourists do. Well, I, I, what I understand was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when the expulsion from Spain happened, the, um, there was a Mecca to spot to okay, the wait. city. Hold on. Tell me about yes. that. Cause I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. There was the Spanish inquisition. Okay. And during that time, um, Jew, the, the Jewish people had to be ex- like, were expelled oh, from okay. Spain. And there was an opening at that time for um, people, like as in any time that, you know, universally we're going through something difficult, there's some sort of change or transformation potentially that can happen from it. So as there was this leaving, like everything that people knew behind, um, uh, there was an opening for people to come to to Israel specifically to spot to the city mm. and to create a kind of new new type of spirit new type of life based on an ancient spirituality here in the city of spot um which was introduced exactly. to them there or they brought with them they they the like it was almost like a, like something was drawing them here and in so this was in the in the late 1400s okay and at that time there was all of these beautiful um i don't know if you can see like the room that i'm in but it, it i'm literally like in a room with dome dome ceiling okay. can you oh cool yeah and and like stones like ancient yeah. stones yeah so there were all these like beautiful temples that were built here that are still here to this day that over the years got like more religious, but you can really feel in the spirit of the way that they're painted. And they're just beautiful that there was a lot of art and a lot of creativity that was pouring into this city in the 1400s. So these were Jewish descended people in Spain but who weren't necessarily practicing Judaism in the way that, because you're saying it became more religious. So it what became they were doing. More religious. I, I think like any spiritual practice is, uh, is difficult and it takes, it takes like a lot of, um, I think a lot of, it's a lot harder to put consciousness into something than just to do it religiously. Mm. Mm. So over the years, it got, you know, easier to, like, like that. Like, for instance, if you've ever heard of Rosh Hashanah, yeah, it's the 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 Jewish New Year. Um, it it's actually the way that the Kabbalists explain it is that it's like the New Year for humanity. It always happens on the first day of the month of Libra. Every really, I didn't hear. There's a different calendar, Kabbalistic calendar, every day, and sometimes that day falls in the end of August. Sometimes it falls in the beginning of October. It's not consistent. It's when the moon and the sun are in that same position. 
So that, you know, to, to adhere to that schedule can get like a little exhausting. You know, it's easier just to like, <clears throat> kind of forget those traditions and rituals. And, you know, I, I think specifically in modern times, you know, it's not like the kids always have off of school on those two days, you know, it's like, right. Everything changes right. to make things easier. I was watching some comedy special on Netflix and now I totally forget what it was, but I think the beginning of it, which I thought was so funny and I never thought about before, but he was like, if you, if you want to know, <laughs> If you want to know, it, it had to some, I'm going to paraphrase, but like how, how important Christianity is or like how, you know, um, who won, you know, <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we we yeah. are like, so, I mean, we use, or what year is it? Sorry, no, what day is it? But what year is it? It's like we, our entire calendar, our entire world basically is like based on Christianity. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't go in, we don't tune into cycles and stuff like that. No, we're in right now in the, in the Kabbalist calendar in the year 5,783, 5,800. <laughs> yeah, 5,783. And what is, where does that start? Zero. <laughs> no, but like, what's the, when, when, why did they start counting? <laughs> oh. Good, you're going too deep. <laughs> I remember my kids were asking me, they're like, so the world's 2022 years old? And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> like, and then you, you then all the people who live like, before that. Don't even go to dinosaurs with them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're, but I mean, we don't believe that the rules started 5,000 years ago. That's just when the calendar, or, or is there a belief that the world started? No, it's not ago? like, it, it doesn't, it's like time is so liquid that we can't mm. even understand what that even means. Like mm. sometimes it's faster, sometimes it was like so much slower. And I mean, now it's just like, how fast are things going? Right, right. You know, a hundred years ago, people were riding donkeys. Right. No, really. Like, I mean, yeah. we're on, we're, we're driving on some roads here because we're like in the north, north of Israel. And it's, I mean, it's just fascinating to think like maybe 30 years ago, there was no road there. Yeah. Winding through valleys and mountains. And this is like progress is really fast <laughs> right now. Yeah, for sure. It's going to get yeah. faster and faster. I remember in this, I can't remember what the book was called, but it, it was, it was like a secret societies of the world or like the secret history of the world or something like that. Um, it's a cool book, but I, I put it down at some point. Um, but he, they were, or the author was talking about how like the, the way that reality, you know, has, has evolved is like, it was so much more, like you were saying, like liquid and like, there was so much more space and it was so nebulous and it's just getting more and more solid wow or that was the way that that's the way that the secret societies view it anyway yeah but it, i mean it makes a lot of sense you see like it yeah. the way that we think so i, oh, I love the one well no i was actually going to say i was like actually to counterpoint my point like you you actually we actually think a lot 
more nebulously now, I feel like, but maybe not. Maybe I don't know what it was like to think back then, but. No, I actually think we got away from it and we're going back to it. Hmm. Because I, I think at that time, I, when like at that time, all the way a hundred years ago, <laughs> no, in the olden times. In the olden days when I was five. That I, I feel that um, I, I think people were more connected to like nature and the and to the creator force. Like they would, mm. you know, and um, I think that like through the industrial revolution and everything, we kind of got further away from that for a chunk. And now it's like, just by, it's like air to be able to go back mm. to, to, mm. to connect more to the soul. Right. Well, cause it had so much more to do with survival then too. Like you had survival. to be, yeah, you had to be connected. I mean, now it feels like a, a privileged choice that you get to be connected. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like a controversial th thing to think about, but even, um, I, I've been with like a lot of women when they give birth mm -hmm. and the, like the advancements in, in medical science and women giving birth is like, I mean, incredible. And you think about a hundred years ago, it wasn't even that, you know, there was like less of a chance of a baby probably surviving mm -hmm. than a baby. It was just like this natural thing that women were pregnant and weren't sure, maybe more in like the 17, 1800s, they mm. weren't sure, right. you know, that that baby was going to make it, you know, yeah. either yeah. out of the, you know, and now it's like, thank God for some of the medical procedures that can be. Yeah. And, and also when babies are born, like babies can be born at 22 weeks. Mm. It's mm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also, that also kind of, that also system kind of needs to balance out a little bit too, because you, you make it so medicalized and then it becomes less of a rite of passage. I, yeah. What do you think about this? My, cause my friend and I debate about this cause she's really into like the hospital birth. I mean, she's never had a birth, but and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like on the homes, like the extreme homeschool front of this, but, and, but I totally agree. It's, it's important to have the hospital. Um, but I was thinking about just nutrition and the fact that women just drank so much alcohol back then too. Like there was no water. I mean, it was dangerous to drink yeah, water. So they were drinking it. alcohol all day. And I'm like, that must have contributed to the mortality. Well, right, I right? saw you posting a picture of drinking kombucha. <laughs> it could be like that. Seriously. Oh, I don't know true. that it was super, yeah. super strong so alcohol. Yeah. And they yeah. have this, I remember in, um, it, when I was living in LA, there was like this amazing cider that almost, I could imagine it being something like that, like zero sulfites, mm. you know, something tasting like super pure. That's true. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, I think it's like this idea about time is so, so different than like where we're progressing to. It's really also really fascinating. Um, in the in Kabbalah, the one of the teachings talks about this year that um, we talk about, like, ev like everyone in the world, I think, knows this idea about the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Right. So like we're coming into a more age of Aquarius, a more spiritual time. 
so you asked about this Kabbalistic calendar and it's it goes through like seven different basically like at the in the once it reaches the year 6000 the the whole shift in the universe of this kind of like peace on earth feeling is supposed to be in fruition by that mm. time so it's all it's really only like 220 less than 220 years left is that like 220 years like we would count or is that more or less yes no but it's probably like- going to be so fast that we can't even imagine mm-hmm. But that is why now things feel like they're much, much faster and speeding mm. up. And a lot of, a lot more people are um, finding spirituality. I think like maybe five years ago, yoga was even um, looked at like, you know, wow, what's that? So, mm. Or maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years ago is a little bit exaggeration, but like in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah what was like the word yoga was like equated with, I don't know, you know, like, so I actually, I listened to this really amazing podcast about the history of yoga in the United States. And yeah, people would hear yoga or meditation and they would think like, they would go to like, basically like we would think of evangelists, like, yeah, like you would go to a tent with, you know, there'd be some Indian guy there and you all expect to like, you know, be like fainting or like having some like weird experience. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like sun salutations. Yeah. No, it it wasn't like hot, you know, hot eight or the the fast hot yogas (laughs) that we know. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. So it could, it, you know, it, I, I mean, I, I hope Kabbalah becomes more of like a household name in, in that it's, um, it's not just for people that are Jewish and it's like underlining so many um, foundational, like spiritual principles. Like if you come into the world and you kind of learn through school history and math, but no one really teaches you like the, you know, the lessons of your soul. And how to like how to connect to your soul, like a guidebook for who you know who you are, what hmm. you know how to turn on this this energy of light that you have inside of you to share. Hmm. So that's the that's kind of the idea. Yeah. yeah. So what what is the how would you, like like if if I were say enrolling in your school of lessons of the soul. What would, what would you start with? Like, what would be the, I don't know. It's the I most mean, basic I, Kabbalah. I teach a class that's called Kabbalah one. It's really basic. Oh. And actually I have it on insight timer. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, put the link yeah, to that in there. The link there. It's, um, it's really very, like very, very simple, very broken down. When I do it at the Kabbalah Center, each class is about an hour and it goes for 10 weeks. And on Insight Timer, it's boiled down to like 10, 15 minute classes and 10 of them. Mm. And it's filled with meditations and reflection and journal and and the and it has your song in it. Ah, so okay. Yeah, no, it's very interesting because you're um when I was approached by insight timer to do a Kabbalah class. And if you, I don't know if everyone knows what insight timer is, but it's like this awesome meditation app and how they have like, when I started with them a few years ago, they had like, I think almost 4 million users. And now they have like 20 something million users and they have this, um, a timer 
that people can use and and keep track of how much they're meditating. So I I was like thinking a lot about this course and trying to boil down like one hour classes into 10 minute wisdom. And as I was writing scripts, I was listening a lot to different songs and like spiritual songs that were inspiring me. And then yours came up. The bliss. The bliss. Right. Yeah. That bliss. Was you used, yeah. And I was like, this, these words are really perfect for, mm. a, I wanted a theme song for the course. Mm. And then I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to, I don't know if you know this whole story, but I need to figure out how to, you know, to, to buy this or get the, you know, the permission and I'm pregnant during this time. So I had like a lot of, um, I don't know if that happens to you when you're pregnant, but like a lot of creativity and a lot of energy that maybe wasn't necessarily mine coming Mm. through me. Mm. And, and I was at a, I was at a, um, I was teaching at a retreat in the Catskills. And I think one of the powers of retreats is like, you kind of leave your environment, your busyness. You know, I had three kids and lots going on at work. I left this environment. I started to teach at this retreat. And the whole time I'm there, I have like a room to myself and everything is like quiet. And um, there's like, I guess now is like a voice of my baby speaking to me saying, you have music inside of you that needs to come out. Mm, oh, you, I think you did tell me this, but tell it anyway, because everyone else. And like, it's like this repetitive, this like on repeat, this thought you have music inside of you that needs to come out. I went to school for music mm. and I have a degree in music. And then I used all of my like formal training and channeled it into Kabbalah, teaching Kabbalah and meditation, but I hadn't been singing. And Um, I didn't even know what that meant. Like you have music inside of you that needs to come out. Like it was a nice thought to write music, (laughs) but it wasn't something I was professional at or knew how to do. So meanwhile, I'm listening to your music and I'm, you know, trying to get the theme song for the class going on. And then uh, got in touch with Ram Das Khalsa. And then he kind of put me in touch with you and we got the the music for the for the theme song oh I didn't even realize that's how you connected to me that's funny yeah and then still this voice is telling me you you have music it needs to come out you have music you need to come I'm like okay I don't know how to do that and something like one night made me look at Ram Das's website and I saw like I was like who is he what does he do and because I I think I saw him in one of these other songs. I liked playing something. And then like something told me like, he can help get this music come out of you, Mm. which you probably know he's really good at that. Mm. So I reached out to him and, um, and like within a few months, he flew to LA. We wrote music together, like all because of your song. And oh, when no, I was, I, didn't know. I knew you did an album with him, but I didn't know that when I was 38 weeks pregnant, this like a voice telling me your music inside of you that needs to come out. It, um, it was so easy and so effortlessly. Like we just sat down for like a day or two. We wrote all this music together and I ended up doing it like maybe a week before my daughter was born. Wow. 
Yeah. So did you, did you record all of it before she was born as well? Or did you just write all of it and then you recorded it later? I wrote all of them. I did demos for all of them. And he sent me all of them. They, the demos sounded amazing. Um, and then I just like kind of had to sit with it and figure out the rest of it. And I actually produced it in LA with someone really close to me that he's awesome. He, he, have you ever heard of the earth harp? Mm -mm. So he's the percussionist for the earth harp, which is the earth harp is like this unbelievable instrument that basically he, um, his name is William and he builds a harp like, and the audience becomes the, the body of the harp, like in Lincoln center and you, you should Google it. It's oh, wow. fascinating. He, I think they won X Factor when you're like came runners oh. up. It's something wow. really from, <clears throat> from another world. So, wow, that sounds yeah. really cool. Is it huge? Trying to imagine. He, I think it can be like any size and it can probably be in a more intimate environment, but he can also do it enormous, mm. enormous. Wow. Okay. Like as big as like, like from the stage of Lincoln center all the way to the balcony. Wow. Yeah. Or he That's does so it, cool. he does it in like, you name it. He's, he's it, like places all around the world. He's created earth hearts. Wow. So did, was this an instrument that featured on that album or that's, that's one so thing he does. I, I knew one of, I knew the percussionist that he has, like, he's really incredibly and really talented. And um, oh I was just thinking like, who are musicians that I know close to me? I need to like call in my musicians <laughs> to help me make this album. And it was really, really, really fun. Um, and and I thought he was just going to like produce it because he also produces. And he told me, um, I'm not going to produce this without you being the co-producer. Mm. So I don't know if you've done that before. Have you also co-produced? Yeah, I've produced. I've co-produced. Yeah. I, so we, I like, love that. Yeah. Yeah. And he made me a part of like, which instruments you hear now? And then he mm -hmm. brought in musicians to play it. Oh. So I didn't get like the full Ram Dass experience with, production but um made it, I, I wanted to do it locally and I had yeah. a little baby and it wasn't like yeah. you know yeah. it seemed like a little over my head for yeah but well it sounds like you were actually you went about it like way more involved I mean because when I did I was also pregnant with with my first child when I did my album with Ramdas and I just basically I sang and then he went and created everything. And then I sang along to it, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. which was about what I could handle at that point. Um, and uh, it's so funny, I just spoke to him the other day because um, there's someplace really magical here that this, it's like this unbelievable cave mm. Mm. that the, like the legend says that Abraham studied in this cave, wow. but it's at the top of the, of the old city of Svat. He's and really into caves, Ramdas. I know. So <laughs> I walked in there. I I don't know if this is like too kind of woo-woo to share, but <laughs> not. Uh, it's not. I, I woke up. I woke up. My um I woke up. I heard I heard like someone that was really important to me telling me, um, Israel, this was like a few weeks ago, Israel has more more gifts for you keep singing. Mm. And then someone told me about this cave. 
And I had, uh, I kind of felt drawn there, something like there was going to be music there. And I went by myself. It's pitch black, which I was expecting. Uh-huh. And you walk through, no clue where you're going into. And then it's like, um, maybe like half the size of a football field cave. It's huge. Whoa. No, Whoa. maybe not. Maybe a quarter. Like a okay. really, really, really big yeah. cave <laughs> that's like man built. Mm. it's some sort of dome it's not just uh it's not like a cave inside a mountain mm. and um it was like the, the echo in there is like angels it was so I just started like opening my voice I felt like music like I just recorded and recorded and recorded and recorded so he then he wrote me and said I'm gonna be in Israel maybe next year Ooh. and said well there's this cave and spot oh wow we'll yeah because he tours that's with sonata and she goes to maybe Israel. that's it's probably why uh, being recorded with ramzats in a cave wow. album. that's so cool yeah, yeah there's i don't think i've sung in a cave in a ever slash in a long time that that must be a really cool experience it was really cool we took a group there um for the new moon of Scorpio two mm. weeks ago. And it was amazing. And I actually got to sing there. I'm trying to like sing more to feel like I need to. And uh, yeah, I was, well, and you, you posted that, that post on Instagram that was so beautiful. You're, you're singing with like a, an ensemble. Yes. Yes. Like Talk in about these, that. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah, there's a there's um like a very unique school of Eastern music here. I think it's almost like one of a kind in the world, which I also think Ramdas would just love so much. Mm, I bet. Yeah. Um, oh. and I I heard about it last year, and I did. There's a woman that she's um the ensemble director, and she starts it once a year, and it's for a year it's like a commitment of a year and it's um it's also like involves performing I think I I always saw myself as like a solo performer for some reason and I don't think I am Mm. so now I'm do you do you sing for it is that yeah, same. Yeah. And I'm also doing the um the like I learned so last year when I heard about it, I did like an eight week eight week workshop with her and a smaller group of eight women. And it was like I just couldn't even believe that I was singing again. It's been like hmm. twenty seven years since I started music school. Oh, okay. And it's not so I'm not like like you that you're singing all the time. I really am not in I'm that. I'm not singing all the time. <laughs> No, but like you wake up and your job is like you're creating music, probably. Like I mean, creating- I wake up and I make breakfast for my kids, but yeah, I I I do music regularly. Yeah, let's say that. So I don't. <laughs> I don't, but I I know that I need to be. So I'm trying to find ways to step into that. And one of the things that I discovered is it's not like a solo journey for me. I need to call in. Mm. I need to call in support. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's support or no, no. It's it. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's really, you're really inspiring me because that's something like I really feel really strongly too, is it, it, I mean, I have done solo stuff my, my whole life, but I feel, it feels so much more purposeful when it's with other, when it's, when it's like a whole thing. I mean, the, the experience, it's not even the performance, the experience of rehearsing with other musicians just makes me giddy. I mean, it, it's, this was like what I was experiencing yeah. just yesterday. And it was so, it was like one hour on repeat, this certain like very old Turkish tune mm. with, I mean, I didn't even know how my, how my um, hands were going to clap in the syncopation with, because it's in 16. It's not like in four, it's not in eight, it's in 16. Yeah. And I just found myself like completely supported by the other musicians they're not all singers they're playing all different sorts of amazing instruments and before you knew it we were all like in the same beat clapping on the offs and I I it oh, was wow. like it was amazing I I felt really high actually That's I so cool. went up to, I had to leave early to go somewhere unfortunately because I really wanted to stay and um I gave the ensemble director like the biggest <laughs> hug that was so I don't know, like, I felt like I was waiting my whole life for that hour of singing with these women. Aww. It was so freeing. That's so neat. So you're in it yeah. for a year. I'm in it for a year. And so it's, cool. um, it's like a few hours. It's like, like, they you really take this. Um, and I, I didn't know how it was going to be in the first session. I didn't know I was expected at the second second session. Like if I already needed to like learn everything, and but then the second session we just like went over the first session over and over and over and over and over on repeat on repeat and repeat. It was amazing. That's so cool. I mean, your your uh, your counting thing made me think of this this experience I had in in Phoenix when I asked if I could sing with Sonata because my friend was like, Sonata's coming to Phoenix. Ask her if you can sing with her, and I was like okay so i didn't she said yes and um and so I, I i sang harmony on like a few on a few of her songs but uh there was this one song that she wanted me to sing and it was like i don't know if you've ever sung something like this i certainly hadn't it was every other bar was a different counting so like one was in five and one was in seven i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something like that like one you had to count five and one you had to count seven or one you had to count i remember it was it was uh not even numbers but anyway and so <laughs> at a certain point she's just like let's do another song <laughs> oh my I thank you <laughs> but i i, I really yeah i didn't realize how complex it was really that that's what i felt like when i was i mean i walked in there yesterday i was like there's no way i'm going to be able to do the rhythm part because yeah, I just we're used like, to like so easy ones hear about the singing part yeah. and getting that and also in in this side of the world in um in Europe there's it's not do re mi fa so la ti do no it's like a different do <laughs> I don't know what it is really but they're saying it differently yeah oh. it's like it's different it's like it's like so <laughs> something it's like and so I'm like and so I'm even trying to like write it in Hebrew to help mm. me with my Hebrew mm. I have like a lot going on that's this. a lot but yeah. you you must be fairly good at theory 
considering you went to music yes, school. Yes, I went to music school. I had yeah. to minor in piano, major in voice. And, but my real passion was musical theater. Oh, okay. So I, it's not like I was going to music school. Like I can read notes and I got through four years of piano, but I'm not like looking at a piano and playing. Ah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I could, I could figure out a song. And actually my kids started piano now. I don't know if you've gone through that with your kids, but it, it's like, it's bringing me to tears. I, my, my six-year-old took two lessons and we were done. <laughs> I was like, oh, your oldest is six? No, that's my youngest. My oldest takes drum lessons. He really loves that. Um, but my youngest wanted to take piano, which I thought was pretty courageous because he sees me do it. And I don't know, just to like choose the instrument your parent, like I, I wouldn't have assumed he would pick that. I thought he would want to do something different, but he wanted to do piano. I don't think he really understood what that meant though, because he's <laughs> thinking like cool keyboard sound and stuff and his teachers like scales or, you know, all the, the and oh my gosh. So the first lesson he, he liked it. And then we took him back for the second one. And I, when I came into the room or when I came to pick him up, the teacher was like, can you come in here? And he had basically been like yelling at his teacher for a half hour being like, I can't do it. This is too hard. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Second class. Yeah. That must he's have been a hard teacher. Really, I, no, he's really sweet. But my, my, my six-year-old is very stubborn and a huge perfectionist. Like, uh, I can't think of where he got that from. So um, he's just really hard on himself. And when he couldn't get it immediately, he's very talented at visual arts and he gets things like immediately, but this he wasn't getting immediately. So it was, I think it, anyway, I feel like at some point he'll want to revisit music in some way because he, he does have a really good ear, but um, yeah. So, so interesting. Oh, it sounds like your kids got through more than two lessons, though. <laughs> well, the teacher is making it really fun. Oh, God. And, the, and it's at our house, so we don't need to, like, schlep somewhere. And mm -hmm. the, um, it's not on a, you know, it's on, like, a one of those full-size keyboards that mm -hmm. has all of the cool beats. Mm -hmm. So they're, I mean, they feel that they're, like, playing the theme song from how to train your dragon even though they're just like doing five oh, notes you know like the teacher yeah. is like so developed and it's I think it's cool that he does that that way he's like I have a surprise for them today yeah. and I love this teacher's music he's a beautiful composer mm -hmm. and he's young and I think, I think it's the teacher, you know, it's a young mm. energy. I tried yeah. with a different teacher. It wasn't, wasn't mm. happening. Um, yeah. Maybe we have to find This somebody. is like, I mean, one of them's like up at 6am and he's like, I can say, go practice piano and he will. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I like the piano as a, as a, as a baby, not babysitter, but like as a, go practice piano. <laughs> go be occupied. Yeah, no, but what you're saying makes makes a lot of sense because I think kids they 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 don't understand or my son he didn't understand that like if he plays this stupid scale at some point he will you know he doesn't he doesn't get that there's like a development and I didn't either as a child and so I thought piano lessons were stupid you know Me too. Um, so I, my I quit yeah. piano yeah 
So I think being able, yeah, having a teacher that's able to like meet you where you are and, and get you to see how, yeah. how cool it can be, you know, um, even when yeah. your skills so are really, really fun to see them, even though they want to, they want to do drums. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That but was what my son say, wanted like, to do. Like my something about like hearing the piano and hearing them practice piano and the backgrounds of like what's going on in the afternoons. That's really, um, it feels right. Yeah. A drum kit won't. <laughs> I haven't bought my kid a drum kit. Yeah, he doesn't want the electronic one though. So I'm like, okay, we have to wait till we have a house or we have some sort of soundproofing because right now our neighbors, we live in uh, Washington and Washington State. Oh, wow. Yeah, but there's like nowhere in our house where we won't be really bothering our neighbors. So, or me. So you practice on drum pads? Yeah, yeah. And so. you can do all your piano without bothering the neighbors or you have a studio? Well, I have, I have a room and my, I don't have a piano. My we're leasing and they won't let us have an actual piano, which is like the only thing that I don't like about our place. I love our place, but they won't let me have a piano. No. So I have a volume control. That's, that's fine. Or like headphones even, but yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This went so quickly, Allison. I, we've already spent an hour together. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention while we're on here? No. no? Complete. Would you like to tell everyone how they can stay in touch with you and find out what you're up to? Uh, I think you can explore the app Insight Timer. And I will share that link. Um, if you do want to hear the the music I created with from Das. I can, uh, it's on SoundCloud. I never released it like officially, but it's on SoundCloud. It's not on like Spotify or. Okay. That's the, super easy to do. I know, but I need really help with a distributor or something, some support. Okay, well, we can talk afterwards because I can maybe mm-hmm. connect you with someone. Well, thank you so much for doing this, especially since I know it's pretty late for you. So thank you. I'm glad we got to connect and I got to thank you for your inspiration to bring music back to my life. I'm so glad. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.